Welcome to Founders Journey Unplugged, where Bastian and I candidly share experiences, challenges, and learnings while building our company from the ground up. We are a product-first company. That means we validate ideas and critical assumptions with experiments and research. In this episode, we'll explain you how we have tested, validated, and researched our ideal customer profile and how we ended up with our business idea. So we're going to start with just looking a little bit on terminology because like, it might be confusing to say what's a persona and, and ICP and so on. So when you look at personas, personas are like personified target groups and you make a specific sub-segment of a customer or user really tangible for product people, for salespeople. And they're in, in particular P2P, it's interesting because there are different types of personas. Buying personas, so people who take a purchase decision. The technical evaluator persona, so someone who looks at the product and says, okay, does this fulfill my requirements? And the user persona, the person who is actually using the product. And in a B2B segment, that can be three different types of people. Like, for example, buying persona is a C-level, COO. The technical evaluator is a specialist or so, some, some kind of, of team lead maybe, and the user persona is an expert uh, using your tool. While in B2C, it often is the same person. And uh, so you try to really understand like who, who has what kind of motivations and aspects that, that you should pay attention to. That's one thing you're going to find a lot in the persona uh, around personas online. The second big part is the ICP the ideal customer profile. And here you, when you look into B2B, you look at the, like, what's the ideal profile for my customer? How do I segment my customers or the, the, the company in this case? In B2B that, uh, in B2C, sorry, is, is closer. The persona and ICP is kind of similar uh, type of approach. In B2B, you look at the company and then about the different people in that company. And the first thing you should start with is like defining an ICP. And we're going to talk now more about how we have done this. And we see a lot because we see a lot of startups that don't really focus. They just say, ah, oh, yeah, we have students as an ideal customer profile. They're students. And, but a student is not a student. Like it can be an, whether it's an expat or someone living locally and studying like at the, the, the hometown is very different. Someone doing it next to a job versus full time is studying, studying full time is very different. Someone who has a, maybe wealthy or not so wealthy family background can be very different depending on your product. The subject that they study can be very different depending on a product. So what kind of student is it and what are the characteristics that are important? That's a B2C example. And we now explore more our B2B example. Yeah. And uh, what is also important, it is counterintuitive maybe in the beginning, but you really want to have a very small uh, group that you're focusing on on the beginning. So coming from the VC-backed industry, always we think about big ev eventual markets that we want to address. But really to get your early traction, it is very important that the group is so small that you can describe it very well and also you can address it very well by having such a specified group. This is a very important part of this. Yeah, and then, and then of course, what you do is like you might start with a hypothesis, but Overall, you do interviews in the beginning, a lot of type, different types of interviews. And if you want to categorize this broadly, you can say there are four types of interviews. Customer interviews, where you explore like, who is the customer, what are their pain points, their needs, their like behaviors, and so on. Problem interviews, where you select a specific problem, go deep, and try to understand what's the root cause, where's this problem coming from, like how, 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 like at what point does it uh, pop up, and so on. 
solution interviews where I say, okay, I have identified a customer and a problem. Like, what could be a good, meaningful solution that a customer would even be willing to pay for? And it's better than superior to, to other solutions around or other alternatives. And then usability interviews where I say, okay, I have now a solution and now fine tune it. So it's really intuitive and easy to use and so on. And of course, that's more or less the order that you want to go through. You first want to figure out like, Who's the customer? What's the problem? How do I solve? Like, what's the solution? And how does the solution precisely work? And in the end of the day, it's always a mix. In the beginning, the interviews that we did that were 70, 80% customer interview, 30% problem. Then after 15, 20 interviews, we switched more to, okay, 60% problem, 40% customer. And at some point, it's like 40% solution, 30% problem, 30% customer. And now we do a lot of usability solution combination interviews with a little bit of customer insights that we generate always in a, in a more general way. So we started with a very essential, like very strong hypothesis at the beginning and then worked our way there. Yeah, for example, our first initial hypothesis was that in the area of compliance of medtech companies, that the initial certification is a very significant problem to solve. So of course, we could also confirm this after looking back now to our interviews, But there was a second very nice uh, hypothesis that came up during the interview process, especially during the customer and problem interviews. This was that continuous compliance, keeping a product compliant in the market is at least as significant as bringing the product initially to the market. And this was a learning which seemed to be a less obvious, but even more continuous problem that we figured out from there. And based on that knowledge, we tried to characterize our customers for this second hypothesis that we wanted to investigate more in detail. And I will give you some examples now how we could structure and characterize these uh, customers. So, for example, we looked into the number of medical products that they have on the market. We had a hypothesis in the beginning that this uh, product might be interesting for them. They have a lot of products, like more than 10, for example, in the market, which proved wrong later on that could already be interesting from three to five products Then we did look into the class of products in like this significant, the, 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 do you mean the, the class of like how, how serious a medical product is, right? The, the, the certification class. Yeah, the certification class, yes, of the product. Uh, we looked also in the type of the product, in the size of the organizations, like type means um, software, hardware, size of organization, number of employees, for example, was a good proxy. Later on, we figured out that the size of the QA team was pretty much correlating with the overall size of the organization. So this wouldn't have been necessary to separate these two uh, characterizations. But you don't know this before you do it, right? We also looked into which markets these companies are active in. This was another segmentation criteria. And also in the degree of digitalization, like are they using Excel Word or paper, pen and paper, or are they already uh, having tools in place? So this was the way how we structured that. And uh, when you then have collected this data, you can try to make some segments out of it. Yeah, and it's like how we've done it was really simple. We basically took a mirror board, or you can take a whiteboard or whatever, and just brainstorm all possible characteristics and say, okay, what could be characteristics? How could we do it? As brainstorm as many as you can come up with. And Bastian just described a lot of the characteristics that we've listed. And then on a horizontal line, we just listed one after another, like I don't know, 15 or so in a team of three. And, and then we brainstorm possible answers and say, okay, for number of medical products, of course, there's zero, there's one, and maybe two to five, then more than like five to 20 and then more than 20 is probably pretty much the same kind of group. And we bring some answers for basically possible answers or kind of subgroups of answers for each of the, the, the characteristics or 
coming up with all of this stuff. And then we try to prioritize and say, okay, what do we think is the group, like the, the, the five or six characteristics that are most important, second most important, and then like optional ones that maybe we're going to take a look at. And of course, all of this, as, as Basti said, is our hypothesis. So you don't know, and you need to go and validate and learn whether your prioritization is right, whether your categorization is right, what aspects actually matter most. So yeah, that's then the validation part where you do more and more custom interviews and you slice out, as you said, you slice out an aspect, a potential ICP, ideal customer profile, and really figure out like, is this customer profile really a customer profile that we can sell to, that we can build a solution for? And the beauty of this segmentation is it uh, will become much easier then to collect further such profiles. Uh, for example, if you have figured out the risk class of the product and the certain size of the organization are very essential uh, for the segment that is interested into your potential solution, then you can very targetly organize uh, meetings and, and uh, solution interviews in focus interviews with this kind of group that you have selected before. Yeah, we designed also our interview guideline really according to that. So the first five or six questions were really around the key parameters or key characteristics. So we said, hey, can you tell us a little bit how many products we have? What classes of medical devices? Where do you sell them? What's the size of your quality team? And so we did like the first steps of the interview was like classifying the customer. And then depending from there, we drove the interview towards a certain direction. One of the most important questions was always like saying, hey, in order to keep your product compliant, What is most time consuming? And then they told us like very openly, say, hey, this and this aspect. And that helped us to classify further really into like problem categories. And then we have basically no single interview was exactly the same. We always improvised a little bit. We had an interview guideline and we set up a table in every, every column. We documented all the stuff for one customer and then step by step navigated ourselves through the interview and like sometimes also figured out after five minutes, oh, that's not really our ideal customer, but okay, let's ask a couple of questions and explore a little bit further how this type of customer or this segment of customer behaves. And uh, so, yeah, learning left and right basically is always a, an opportunity in these interviews. And structuring this uh, in a table is a great advantage. Uh, then you do it in separate pages, uh, for example, for each customer, because this makes it really comparable later on. And you can much easier observe some patterns when you compare one customer next to the other in, in a table format. We can heavily recommend this from our own experience here. And exactly when you have defined this and when you have scheduled your uh, solution inter interviews, this is then also a very important point to go to the next stage like only asking for the problems but now really trying to pitch a solution to demonstrate for example a prototype with a solution where you can get hands-on feedback of this segment that would actually be expected to use this product later on and also don't forget at this point uh, to ask them for a written confirmation of interest afterwards for example you can look also in our series of uh, lois that we did already do in this podcast um, how you do that. But this is exactly the point where you really try to get the customer interest uh, for the solution, right? And so to summarize a little bit the, the, the process, we have done about 15 or so customer interviews, really broadly talking with consultants, with startups, with mid-sized organization, corporate organization, with leaders in organization, with individual contributors, like really broad at the beginning. And then 
After that initial 15 or so interviews, we did our exercise of characterizing customers, build the first ICP, said, okay, that's what we think we should focus on. And we did a few more of these ICP interviews that really focus on that type of, of group. And then developed, as Basti said, our first prototype and went back to the customers that we interviewed and that fall into the ICP profile and basically pitched them the solution. Or like it's a combination of interviewing them whether and, and let them test the solution and pitch it a little bit. Like it's not yet a usability test. You don't want to understand, like, do they really understand like what that button does and this button does, but more like you show them the solution, you give them a feeling and like give to get their first reaction understand what they think, what they like about it, what they don't like about it, what their expectations would be. So pitch basically or present pitch and, and test with your hypothetical ICP the solution. We did about like 15 or so and then 15 to 20. And we asked two thirds of, of, of those customers whether they want to sign, sign an LOI, which at the end resulted in 50% of the ones that we asked uh, to actually sign and, and let off intent. And that's the process. That's how we went through this step-by-step. Step. And of course, at any point in this process, you might need to go back multiple steps. We say, okay, I have an ICP. I interview them and then figure out, okay, actually the ICP was, I was completely wrong. I need to go back to the wrong board, redesign the whole thing. Sometimes small changes, sometimes big changes. And of course, it might also struggle by presenting a solution, getting, getting a LOI. So then you need to go back and rethink this. And that's a little bit on how you can approach this. Any more conclusions from, from your end, Basti? Yeah, when we when we talk about solutions, I just to, wanted to clarify, like we really talk about rapid solutions, like illustrations of the solution, right? So don't overemphasize on that. Really go out here quickly with just having some screens, for example, designed or even could be a presentation where you just present your solution, right? Don't over-engineer here. Uh, really go out, you will see your solution will shape a lot by the feedback of the customer and will change potentially also a lot by the feedback of the customer. Uh, so don't miss this opportunity to do it very early. Yeah, and uh, final words from my side. Don't be afraid to be focused on a, on a specific type group. Many people just go too broad, like narrow it down, focus it. You can you can expand it later. You can like, of course, when you pitch your big business idea, you, get, you show like, how could you expand from from this customer profile to the next profile to the next market and so on. You need to have an idea of that, but you like you need a very narrow beach hat, like a first point where you focus all your energy on because this will help you to really build a solution that your customers will love and will pay for. It's way more likely that you identify such a solution than if you try to build something that works for everyone and then it's mediocre for everyone and it doesn't work out. So don't be afraid, uh, just like focus it and nail it.